Hello everyone and welcome to Rail Group on Air, presented by Railway Age and Railway Track and Structures Magazines and International Railway Journal. I'm your host, David Lester, and I'm the managing editor of RTNS Magazine, and welcome to another podcast. This is Rail Group on Air. Today, our guest is John Check, Vice President of Engineering at BNSF and the winner of the RTNS Magazine Engineer of the Year Award for 2022. Interestingly, John launched his railroad career with a practice interview with the Santa Fe Railway in 1994, just after graduating with a civil engineering degree from the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. He was interested in an environmental engineering career and was looking at several organizations that would give him this opportunity. Before interviewing with any of these companies, though, John interviewed with a few companies he wasn't particularly enthusiastic about in order to get comfortable with the interview process. He was also considering the pursuit of a master's degree. However, when he signed up for the Santa Fe interview, this changed his career direction. He became intrigued with railroad engineering because of the variety of projects involved and the opportunity to work both inside and outside. Santa Fe offered John a job, and after completion of the management training program, his first supervisory role was assistant roadmaster in Flagstaff, Arizona. After being promoted with increasing levels of responsibility within Santa Fe's, then BNSF's, engineering organization, John was named Vice President of Engineering in 2018. I recently sat down with John to discuss his railroad career and how it's evolved over nearly 20 years. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Um, why don't you tell us a little more about your background and why you stayed with railroading after college? You bet. I'll start with a little more about my background first. Uh, I grew up in the Chicago area, um, Schaumburg, Illinois, to be more specific. Spent grade through through high school uh, in Schaumburg. Um, even though I now live in the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, I'm still a big Chicago sports fan, diehard Cubs and Bears fan. Usually try to make it to a couple games a year uh, for, for each of those teams. Probably going to be a long year this year. Um, you know, growing up, I would say I was I was a good student and just sort of gravitated towards math and science classes. In fact, uh, I'm middle sibling of uh, uh, two sisters, and my older sister was a really good student, valedictorian, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it always put a little bit of pressure on me to, to do well in school, and, and I'm thankful of that, and, and that turns out to be really important. Um, so like many kids, as I progress through uh, high school, uh, you know, I took one of those assessments to determine, you know, what occupation might fit my skill set, and that assessment pointed me towards civil engineering. In fact, I would tell you multiple assessments probably pointed me to civil engineering. So uh, I did a little bit of research, and as I researched it, I said, you know what, civil engineering does, does seem like it makes sense, and that was really um, what started my interest and uh, started looking at what schools might make sense. And then eventually I ended up at University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. 
Uh, and U of I uh, has a very highly rated civil engineering program. In fact, it now has a railroad engineering program. I uh, didn't when I was there. Um, that, that's, I don't want to say new because I've been gone a long time, but uh, um, since then it has uh, a railroad engineering program. And interestingly enough, um, you know, we we get a lot of talent from the University of Illinois, and my team now actually partners with them uh, on, on very important research. So, uh, great program. Um, and my my uh, focus back then, my focus area was uh, environmental engineering with a secondary, and we'll call it hydrolo hydrology. Uh, and quite honestly, railroading was not on my radar. Uh, and, and I know you and I have talked previously, and I mentioned this, but I've really planned on staying in school, um, pursuing a master's in environmental engineering. But I did keep interviewing, you know, for practice and keep my uh, options open. Uh, so I eventually signed up for an interview, what, which what was then the Santa Fe Railroad. In fact, their VP of Engineering, uh, Mike Frankie, uh, was was the guy that was doing the interviews. He was a former U of I uh, graduate. And he explained to me a little bit more about the job, um, you know, and really what resonated for me was the opportunity for advancement. Uh, you know, he talked about the ability uh, to, to be at a, a different level in the organization three years out, five years out, ten years out, and that sounded really interesting compared to other uh, jobs I had looked at. Uh, he talked about the ability to work outdoors and indoors. Um, you know, if you want to do more design side of things, you could do that, or you could get into people uh, leading, uh, which sounded really exciting. Um, of course, we talked about all the problem solving involved in, in the job, the many different career paths, and, and you know, the, the ability to travel um, also really resonated with me. Uh, and so I know you asked kind of what kept me railroading. I, I would say, you know, first, all of those things that were described way back when kind of were, were a reality for me. Uh, and uh, the railroad did offer this exciting new opportunity, the opportunity for advancement. I've been to incredible places uh, in the U.S. that I would have never been uh, to otherwise, uh, especially early on in my career as I've moved a little bit more and traveled a little bit more. Uh, but but uh, again, everything we talked about really, really came true. And then I would say secondly, uh, David, it's the people. Uh, it's the people that keep you railroading. Um, one of the things I found out very early on in my railroad career is just how dedicated, hardworking uh, our employees are, how much they care about the railroad, uh, and they're professional. They're really good at what they do. Uh, so, uh, I, I, again, I would say uh, that the people... Uh, and not not only from the folks that are on the ground doing the work, uh, you know, I've met many, many people, uh, peers, other leaders uh, who uh, you develop friendships over time. Um, there's a tremendous amount of camaraderie, uh, uh, not just in engineering, just in railroading in general. And really, these, these folks become your second family. So um, really, uh, everything, uh, all of the opportunities that were talked about early on uh, came true and combine that with the great people we have working here at BNSF have, have made me a lifelong railroader. Okay, great. Um, John, what intrigued you about environmental engineering? Yeah, well, I think that's that's a uh, 
a good question. As I think back to what was, you know, what I was thinking at that time is it just seemed like um, this was going to be a discipline of growing importance. Um, you know, I felt at the time that designing systems that minimize the impact of uh, to, to the planet, minimized, um, um, you know, it really moved things forward as far as, uh, you know, I think my focus back then, we looked at wastewater treatment, water treatment plants, and growing population, what the impact of growing population could be on the environment. And again, I just thought it was going to be a really high-demand field that could have a bigger impact. Uh, and, you know, what's what's cool for me now, having been working for BNSF for, you know, almost 30 years, and, um, you know, even though I did not go and pursue a master's in environmental and engineering, there's a tremendous amount of environmental engineering, uh, or maybe you want to call it sustainability, built into uh, into our everyday operation. Um, you know, again, one of the things that we are focused on, uh, just recently we've announced uh, a commitment to reduce overall emissions by 30% by the year 2030. Uh, and so uh, from an engineering standpoint, you know, that sounds easy, but we're also a growth railroad. So over the course of the next 10 years, we know we're going to grow the business. We know we're going to haul more freight uh, and, you know, making a reduction in overall emissions while at the same time growing is definitely going to be a challenge. And we're going to have to achieve that through, um, you know, being innovative. Uh, things uh, that we're considering are alternative fuels, so we burn a lot of fuel, and that's probably um, you know where a lot of uh, our emissions come from. Number one, how do you get more efficient with uh, with with your locomotives and how we move freight, uh, but also alternative uh, sources. We're considering battery-powered uh, uh, locomotives um, as we build new yards. Um, we're looking at electric cranes, all of the things that uh, in the end will help us achieve that goal by 2030. So I guess in summary, there's there's just a ton of environmental engineering in what I do today, so it feels like uh, um, that's just another reason why the railroad's been a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that certainly makes sense. Um, how would you compare railroad engineering today uh, with uh, with how it was when you hired out on the railroad. That's well, that's that's a big question, David. Um, is, and <laughs> I think it's a it's a tough it's a tough comparison because, you know, as I as I look back, I, you know, I hired on. I'm, I'm a frontline supervisor type, so, you know, I don't know exactly you know the strategic initiatives 30 years ago as much as as I do now. Um, so it's hard to say exactly what was was on was front and center back then, but I, I think it's very safe to say that there's just been a tremendous amount of technology and innovation since that time. And not to age myself, um, but you know, thinking back, I started and we really didn't even have cell phones uh, at that time. And um, maybe for folks listening, um, I think that that's a big deal just to think that what is attached to every one of us, uh, 24 by 7, it seems like. I think we're all, uh, we use those things for so much. Um, just not even having a, a, a simple device like that uh, is, is a big change. But just to see where we've come as a, as a industry 
and, and BNSF specifically, and you talk about things like next generation train control, positive train control. I mean, here we are operating where um, if we do have trains uh, in danger of passing a, a signal, um, that we can stop those trains now um, through technology is incredible. Um, automated track inspection, in, uh, more specific to engineering. I think back to when I first hired on um, and was on a track geometry car, uh, and even as a roadmaster um, with a territory, uh, those cars would tell you when you had a defect, but then it would often be months before you got the data, the strip charts, the things that kind of showed you what the, I mean, someone physically had to plot those out, and we would get those six months later, and that has changed so much, as you know. Um, now we have track geometry cars that really we don't uh, need anybody on board, so we're running them 24 by 7. We get real-time data, so not only do we get any defects uh, at the time, we also get the full printout of all of the strip charts. Um, several of our uh, track geometry cars now have uh, machine vision where we're actually taking pictures as we move down the railroad. So, I mean, that's just one example. Uh, and then all of that produces just a tremendous amount of data. And I would say we're using that data now to, to optimize safety, uh, service, and cost better than we ever have. Uh, we use it in capital planning. Um, and, uh, and really, I think we're still in the early innings on leveraging data. So, again, another big change. And then I think a, a couple opportunities um, are work equipment. So the equipment we use to change out rail ties and, and do our ballast work, it's still largely hydraulic equipment, uh, not with um, um, the smarts of computers that, that run those machines. So I think there's a huge opportunity to, to automate and improve work equipment. Um, we think that will help us um, something as simple as avoiding collisions, but also improving productivity. So, um, again, lots of technology change um, over the years, and uh, I think that's the biggest change from uh, when I hired on. And then I think the second item worth talking about is just the amount of collaboration that goes on. I would tell you uh, when I first hired on, if you were in the track department, uh, if you were in the signal department, I mean, you're kind of stuck in those lanes. Uh, and the same would hold true if you're transportation, mechanical, uh, and, and we didn't really look over at, at what was going on in those other areas. And that has completely changed. And I think technology has opened the door for that to change, but it's just critically important that I understand how we move traffic from points A to B. Uh, I'm constantly collaborating with my peers in transportation, mechanical, even in marketing to some extent. So the amount of collaboration um, to optimize decision-making is, is so much better than it was uh, uh, when I hired on, and uh, I think that's a really good thing for the railroad. Tell us about what you consider to be either the most challenging or one of the most challenging uh, events on the railroad in your career. Wow. All right. Well, there's been a lot of challenges. Um, I, I, I initially want to go to some of the flooding um, that that we've had that we've seen over the year and what we've done to overcome that. Uh, when I was a general director of maintenance uh, on the on the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, um, call it 2009 to 2012, I think three out of those four years we just had major major spring flooding each and every year 
Um, that was um, a challenging event. Uh, I think of 2019, where we really lost a good portion. I think at one point we had over 20 subdivisions out of service. A lot of it was related to the Missouri River, but the, the central core of our railroad was out, and we had one subdivision that was completely you know, inundated with water, uh, and we basically had to rebuild it from the ground up. Challenging times, but if, if I were to pick one time um, that, that really challenged me, I would say um, it was related to our 2013 to 2015 time period where I had just taken on a new role uh, as AVP of Engineering Services, and part of my um, responsibilities uh, with that role is, is building new railroad expansion projects. Uh, and at that particular time in our history, we saw crude by rail basically go from you know not not being a, a commodity that we hauled to to go into the need to haul 15, 16 trains a day, uh, and that uh, that required us embarking on a significant double track project between um, Minot, North Dakota, essentially, and Williston, North Dakota, to help handle that business along with all of the other business that was. Uh, um, you know, traversing at the time on that particular corridor. Uh, and what made that project and event so challenging is two things. Number one, we needed the capacity yesterday. Um, so it was all about speed of delivery, getting things uh, moving, done quickly so that we could, uh, so that we can meet our customers' demand. Um, but on top of that, we're working in a part of the country, um, if you've been to Minot, North Dakota, uh, we have really harsh winters. Uh, in fact, I would tell you typically it's late April through about Thanksgiving that you can that you can work, and we had that as our backdrop, and we had 100 miles of railroad to build, and we accomplished that in in just under three years. Um, we did things like heat the ground so that we could dig cables. Um, we had to get really creative about how we executed that project. Um, there's a lot of things that we did parallel uh, in sequencing. Um, I mean, we were working double, triple shifts. It was just one of those projects that was intense um, throughout because, again, we needed that capacity. Uh, but the cool thing is, is uh, when, when all was said and done, we had 100 miles of double-track railroad um, that we'll have forever uh, as part of our network. So uh, that was a really challenging time and a real challenging project overall. Do you ride over that railroad today in your inspection trips and uh, reflect back on uh, those, that difficult time? Yeah, we so you know we typically make a trip, an inspection trip, somewhere on the railroad once a month. Um, that's with the uh, the executive team and others, and of course our Northern Transcon is is a key route. And so yeah, it's. It's funny you ask that question, David, because uh, when you do traverse something like that, uh, I've kind of covered some of the challenges as at, a, at a high level, uh, but it does make you think about everything we did to make that project a success. And, um, and, and you know, you think about the people, the people that, uh, I mean, we folks were working extremely hard, um, in many cases seven days a week, long hours, 
but we all had that common goal. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a common goal, what we've proven on the railroad is that you can accomplish anything. And, and again, I'm not sure we've ever built that much railroad that quickly. Maybe outside of you know when when railroads were first starting, but I'm I'm not even sure that 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 could be done the way uh, we moved that project along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. John, what are some of the top requirements for success in rail engineering today? Well, I, I think there's there's several. Uh, I, I think you know a recent theme or, or something that I think is maybe maybe new is things change so quickly. Um, you know, as we've worked through a pandemic, uh, as we work through times of high volume. Uh, as we, you know, we we just are constantly having to adjust um, our plan, and it seems like things are changing more more rapidly than perhaps they did 10, 15 years ago. So I, I think um, people having the ability to be nimble, um, to adapt, you know, to to not just uh, embrace change, but really drive change and understand, um, you know, what's happening. Uh, around you I think is more important now than ever so I think having that that ability to adapt is important uh, I think one area um, that is a top requirement and always will be is a railroad leader has to master safety uh, and when we talk about mastering safety I think to the to the outside world um, that that maybe is not a railroader you know that means preventing derailments that means reducing incidents at road crossings, and um, we've had a tremendous um, success story on how we've been able to drive down derailments uh, over the years. Uh, and part of it is, um, you know, related to what I talked about with with automated track inspection and some of those technologies. Uh, but uh, job one is safety for a for success. Uh, and the other piece of that com- or other component is really with our employees. Um, these can be a very uh, unforgiving environment if you're not following rules, um, if you're not paying attention to what other folks around you are doing, uh, and establishing a culture of safety uh, where we uh, we're looking out and uh, identifying risk, mitigating risk is incredibly important. And again, I think it's another area that's been a success here at BNSF uh, from an engineering standpoint, but really across the industry. I think all railroads have made great strides in safety, both from a derailment prevention standpoint and employee safety. So uh, I think, um, you know, to be successful uh, in rail engineering, you have to be a a good safety leader. Um, I think a couple other things um, that, that we've touched upon um, you know, when you ask what's changed, and, and I mentioned technology, I think to be successful in today's world is you, is you have to be innovative. You have to uh, understand technology, um, leverage technology to drive improvements in, in, you know, in the area of safety, in the area of cost, uh, in the area of service. So, um, again, being innovator, innovative, understanding technology, uh, and I mentioned collaboration also. Uh, I think in order to be successful uh, in leveraging technology, really to make things better on on the railroad, um, you, you have to understand uh, who to talk to because we're we're not all experts on certain technologies and um, leveraging suppliers, leveraging other departments, and and really being a leader in innovation 
uh, is critically important for success in railroad engineering today. Okay. Um, I have a two-part question here, uh, and they're uh, certainly related. Um, what advice do you have for young engineering students considering a career in railroading and, uh, more importantly, how to reach those who are barely aware of the industry even exists? Well, I would say first, as far as advice, I'd say do it. You know, consider it. It's uh, it's it's a great career. We need people. I think if if you're if you're looking for something that's a not just a job but a career, I think railroad engineering is something folks should strongly consider. Uh, I also think um, an internship. Ideally, if a prospective student or prospective employee um, could could get an internship uh, with a Class One railroad or or something that deals with with railroad engineering, I think that's a great way to test the waters. Uh, I would say you know we're a 24 by 7 operation. Um, we talked about some of the challenges and and, and that that can face uh, folks. I do think it's really important if if you can you know, test the waters through an internship and make sure that it's a good fit for you, that's critically important. Uh, now, it's not a must-have, but I, I, I definitely would, uh, would would give that advice. If you can get an internship, you should. Um, and then I think, you know, the school schools today do a great job in, you know, um, training engineers, so to speak. I, I think it's, uh, they get they get a great set of training. Uh, in in that discipline, uh, I think another area that folks considering a uh, a job um, with a railroad should focus on is some of the soft skills. Uh, you know, I'm talking. You know, we're 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 looking for leaders of people in addition to engineers. Uh, so things like presenting in front of a group. I can tell you, it's probably not long after we get a new um, student that, that signs on with BNSF that they're in front of a group of 60 or 70 um, folks at a at a safety briefing, and they're the ones that are, are, are leading that effort. Um, so getting comfortable with that, um, you know, having the ability to really reach out across departments and, and be a self-starter uh, is, is really important. So I, I do think Focusing on some of those soft skills is important if you're going to be successful in railroading. And, you know, as, as a side note, I think schools are doing a really good job at, uh, at training engineers um, in those areas. Um, the talent that we're bringing on board at BNSF, um, many of these folks are hitting the ground running. Uh, um, so I, I think that maybe that's been a change uh, over the past 10 or 15 years but we're getting really talented folks uh, in in some of those areas that maybe aren't considered traditional engineering um, skill sets um i think part two of that question david um is a bit harder as far as how do we how do we reach folks that are barely aware uh, that the railroad exists um, you know i recently met with a group of management trainees and, and a management trainee is essentially what you would hire on out of school uh, you know uh, first job uh, at bnsf and one of the things uh, that, that became clear as we talked to these uh, these new employees some of them had ended up at bnsf i'd I call it by pure luck um, they talked about they were at a career fair 
Um, they couldn't really tell if there there was you know if it was engineering or exactly you know what they could do at, at BNSF, and and they really gave a lot of feedback on on things that that we could do differently so that we can reach more people who might not be aware um, that there's a tremendous amount of engineering that goes into uh, running a railroad. Um, there's a tremendous amount of innovation, technology, all the things that we talked about. There's jobs for mechanical engineers, civil engineers. All, you know, I mean, there's just so many different disciplines within engineering and even outside of engineering that really would make people a good fit for the railroad. So we have to do better. Um, you know, some of the things they you – know, and, and, again, it gets into leveraging technology. Uh, the more you can do with the mobile device, the more you can make things easier. Um, you know, something like, a, you know, a passing along a QR code that can show a quick video about some of the things that are uh, ongoing. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of things we can do better on that front. Uh, and, again, we got some good ideas. We've got a team working on it. Uh, and, and hopefully um, we'll, we'll get folks that maybe had no idea what, what we do here at, at the railroad uh, interested in, in taking on, um, you know, an engineering-type job or other um, railroad job. And then maybe to take it a step further, um, you know, we also need laborers, truck drivers, machine operators, um, foremen, engineers that actually run our trains, mechanic types, um, you know, as as you know, the job market is extremely competitive right now. Um, we're growing. We we need folks to 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 move our trains. We need uh, we need all of these types, and um, we also need to change how we go after um, you know f attracting people with those particular skill sets, or maybe even people who don't have those skill sets that we can get trained and would be interested in, in obtaining those. Uh, skill sets. So things like visiting high schools, technical schools, career fairs, I mean, we, we have to really change um, the way we're um, recruiting, so to speak, at, at all levels at BNSF. And we have to make it real easy. Uh, in the past, it's not an easy process uh, to hire on, whether you're, you're hiring on out of school for a leadership position or uh, whether you're hiring on, uh, you know, to be a laborer or machine operator. It's been really difficult to fill out the application, take the assessment testing, medical clearances, and um, you know what we're finding is we we need to shorten that process, make it easier, uh, and and really um, really go after uh, recruiting in ways that we never have before. Okay, um, one thing that may be of interest to uh, students or those considering a career in railroading is uh, uh, the answer to the question of, of what does a VP, VP of engineering do all day? And I know, you know, you're sitting at your desk relaxing, reading the Wall Street Journal most of the time, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was going to say that'd be lovely, but I don't think any of us even want a job like that anymore, right? Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I, I, well, I think the cool thing about, you know, I would say not just VP of engineering, but many of our jobs within engineering is that every day is different, um, which which makes the question a little bit hard to answer. But then on top of it, it seems like, you know, every year 
uh, can be different on, on what the focus needs to be. So again, I get into that adaptability and being nimble. It, it, it's really important. But I would say a VP of engineering really, uh, it, it's kind of cool because there's there's the day-to-day -day operations. I mean, engineering is part of our operations department. Um, you know, moving trains from point A to point B on a daily basis, it, it's a complex operation. Um, we have uh, track windows, um, you know, where we get our folks out there, do work, um, planning those track wor uh, windows, um, executing, making sure that you take the track at a certain time, you give it back up, and you can run trains as soon as you're done. Um, you know, uh, the, just the day-to-day -day understanding of what inspections are taking place, what we're finding in, uh, at, on those inspections, and what repairs are we making. Do we have resources up against uh, uh, those repairs? Things like service interruption, first and foremost, prevention. So any interruption to uh, moving trains, uh, we, we want to prevent those. But, you know, they happen. We talked a little bit about flooding, weather, um, you know, something as simple as getting really cold and, and a broken rail. Um, you know, that impacts uh, uh, trains, and, and having um, response to those types of issues are really important. Uh, and having policies uh, in place to, to get folks out there to make those repairs, uh, to have people that can respond to those quickly. All of that goes into this day-to-day -day, um, operations, and we're constantly making adjustments. Um, and as, as things happen, we need to make adjustments, adjustments to resources. So I think that's that's part of it. Uh, but, but then a VP of engineering is also very strategic. Um, you know, we're not just looking at the day-to-day -day maintenance. We're looking one year out, three years out, you know, even five years out uh, as we talk about BNSF being a growth industry, understanding where that growth is going to take place, um, where we may need to expand our operation in order to handle that growth. Uh, and then once you make that determination, the process of permitting um, those projects is, is I mean, it, it takes a long time, and, and there's a lot that goes into the front end of those projects before we ever turn any dirt, put projects out for bid, build a railroad. Um, so um, there's a lot that goes into um, long-term planning. Uh, and then also on our um, maintenance. So what we do, um, you know, outside of expansion, uh, where we're putting in new rail, um, replacing old rail, uh, where we're running a production tie gang, all of the models that uh, tell us uh, what project to do. Um, you know, we want to do the right project at the right time. Uh, we want to look at what conflicts that may cause with uh, uh, transportation. And there's just a tremendous amount of planning that goes into executing a $2 billion. That's about what we spend in, in maintaining our existing infrastructure. Um, there's a tremendous amount of planning that goes into that, uh, into that work. And then we talked a little bit about it, but, um, you know, understanding what the hiring plan needs to be uh, is, is number one, and especially at a time right, like right now where it really is competitive. Getting that right on the front end is, is critically important, and then finding out how to get people in the door and uh, the things that we just talked about has been something that, um, quite honestly, I've been spending more time on than I ever have in my career just because we need people, and, uh, and focusing on how to bring people in the door has been really important. And then I would also say um, something that is part of um, you know, daily interactions is people development. Um, we do a tremendous amount of um, personal development um, 
uh, here at BNSF. Um, we talk about what positions we think people will be at, um, would be good at down the road. We try and get them prepared for those positions. Um, we do a tremendous amount of talent planning. Every week I meet with my direct reports. Every um, move that we make on the railroad that involves moving a person from one job to the other, we talk about, we collaborate, uh, we talk about you know when folks are going to be retiring, who do we have ready for that position, and if they're not ready, what do we need to do to get them ready? So I would say people development is a big part of um, what a VP of engineering does every day. And then again, um, on the technology and innovation front, there is so much going on uh, on, on that, that part of the business, so to speak. Um, so being intimately familiar about what's available, what problems do we have, what technology might be able to solve those problems, how do we drive uh, for, for more efficiency through uh, leveraging technology and innovation, um, going after specific projects. Um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, perhaps automation of work equipment. Um, the uh, automated track inspection four or five years ago started out as an idea but took a tremendous amount of work to get that to the finish line and I would tell you we're not quite at the finish line on that one but we're, we're in a pretty good place. So all of those types of things go into the day-to-day -day, um, duties of a VP of engineering and other railroad leader I should say so um, you know all of my folks are still uh, focused on those types of things also. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I um, left out meetings. There's a lot of meetings. I won't. I mean, we, <laughs> we meet a, a lot. Um, uh, but again, a lot of those meetings are either about day-to-day -day operation or you know, looking two to three years out from a strategy standpoint. So, um, but but uh, that's definitely part of what uh, is is a normal day for a VP of engineering. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, John, the last two questions uh, have uh, touch on some areas that we've already discussed, but they, um, I think, will allow you to go into more detail on uh, these topics. Um, we hear a lot about sustainability and uh, companies are producing ESG reports um, now, and how do you incorporate, uh, well, not necessarily you personally, but how does BNSF and you in your role um, incorporate sustainability goals in your engineering work. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's something that's uh, on front of mind. Uh, it's on front of mind of our customers, um, and, and sustainability is incredibly important. I mentioned our commitment to reduce overall emissions by 30% by, by the year 2030. Um, but, you know, if you just take a step back, if you look at rail in general, it's it's the most... I'd like to say cost-effective, but it's also the most environmentally friendly way to move freight. Um, you know, our customers are increasingly um, interested in in that, um, and and you know, making sure that we do have a, a sustainable solution to uh, to their transportation needs. Um, you know, locomotives are, are very efficient right now, our Tier 4 locomotives, but, you know, we, we know that as to hit that 30%, we're going to have to drive additional efficiency. So all of that's factored in to what we're doing. Um, as I talked about in the past, you know, we're a growth railroad, and uh, in order to do that, you know, we envision 
having to build new facilities. Uh, in fact, uh, we just an, an announced a, a facility that we'll be um, building in Barstow, California, and there's a tremendous about around amount of planning that goes into how do we make that the most environmentally friendly uh, um, facility uh, in the country. Uh, and what does that mean from an engineering standpoint? How do you design in? I mean, we're looking at battery-powered uh, locomotives, electric cranes that, that uh, pick up containers. Um, all of those things are considered uh, when we're, we're building a new facility. So I think there's a lot of really cool things going on uh, from a sustainability front. And then, you know, even something uh, from, from an engineering standpoint, like uh, um, I mentioned, you know, railroad ties. Um, we're constantly... Um, Trying to figure out is there is there a better product out there, i.e. how we're looking at uh, composite ties uh, and the theory with the composite ties, um, you put it in it does as good a job as a wood or concrete tie, and then at the end of the life you pick it up, uh, you send it back, grind it and and reuse it. So those are some of the technologies that we're thinking about uh, as we uh, as we maintain the railroad. Okay, great. Um, and uh, my last question here is, um, again, we touched on some of this, but I'd like to go into a little more depth uh, with you. Uh, what personal qualities are important for, for success in rail engineering? Yeah, so like I said, I think we've, we've talked about a lot of qualities, but I think what, I, what I'd like to emphasize is um, we we need – all types of people with a wide variety of skill sets and qualities. I mean, diversity is extremely important, um, you know, because it, it really helps you arrive at, at a better solution. So, um, and, and I think we just have so many different positions on the railroad that, um, you know, there, there, there's just this, this wide variety of the types of people that we need, which I, I think is good. So it's hard to hone in on, you know, a specific quality. Um, I think that diversity um, has always been a foundation at BNSF. Uh, we, we believe it's core to our success. Um, you know, we are committed to a culture where all employees are included, feel a sense of belonging, and have equal opportunity to achieve their full potential. So, I mean, I Again, that's a tougher question for me to answer because I do think we need a wide, wide variety of qualities and skill sets to be successful uh, as a company, to be successful as an engineering organization. But, you know, some of the things we talked about um, as far as, um, you know, commonalities, uh, um, having a, 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 being a hardworking uh, optimist is, is something that's important uh, at, at BNSF. Uh, being able to lead people, um, and again, there's there's a wide variety of qualities that go into to leadership. Um, all of that's important, um, but but again, I think uh, the the short answer that diversity is extremely important, and having people with a wide variety of skill sets and uh, and, and qualities uh, makes us a better railroad. Many thanks to John Check for joining me on this podcast. He is our 2022 Engineer of the Year. For Rail Group on Air, this is David Lester, and I'll see you trackside.